Chapter 4, we're going to finish it this week. If you notice, Lot has said about sowing and seed. In fact, when you read the Gospels, Jesus used these agricultural uh, illustrations or parables because it was something people knew. This was one of the things that I learned very quickly as I, 20 years ago, I made my first trip overseas and was going to preach to some people. Uh, many, in fact, was one place. Nobody had ever heard the word of God. Uh, I could say Jesus, Abraham, David, didn't matter. They didn't know if it was somebody down the street. They honestly had not heard. And it's the, the gravity of that situation for a pastor. And that is, what are you going to say? You know, I can't say, do you remember Moses or Abraham? Because they don't know who I'm talking about. This is an impoverished country, so I can't say, how many of you guys like to play golf? I, I walked around in a circle in the back of that place, trying to get a message and, and figure out what I was going to say. And finally, I decided the biggest thing that was wrong was that as a pastor, I was worried about what I was going to say. And the Bible had plenty for me to say. And if I just shared the word of God, somehow this mysterious work of God would change and transform life. Forty-five people accepted Christ, and that church is still going strong in a town in Latvia that's never heard the gospel. And all I did was tell them about Jesus. That's what we're looking at today. Sometimes when we read the Bible, we get all uh, worried about, are we illustrating it right? Uh, Jesus does a great job of it. This psalm that we're, or this particular passage we're going to look at today kind of hit me between the eyes because I don't know how you are. I, I had three sons and I was a dad that wanted to fix things for my sons. It's like, I thought I was here on earth to run interference for them. I was here to fix their problems, to smooth the road, to take the curves out. That was my job as a dad. And I, I really, you know, I, I want to do that for them. I want to have a better life than I did. I want them to wind up better than me and just all kind of thoughts. And then one time in a discussion with my wife, <laughs> probably for the second or third time, I'm not a slow learner. I'm just hard-headed. Uh, she was talking to me one day. And so while she's talking, I'm fixing her problems. And she informed me she didn't want me to fix anything. She would appreciate if I'd just be quiet and listen. She wanted to unload. God used that that night in my devotions. It was like, he said, Cliff... Your boys are going to make mistakes. They're going to sin. They're going to do stupid stuff. You did. I didn't give them to you for you to make the road straight. I didn't give them to you for you to fix their problems. I gave them to you for you to simply pump the word of God into them, watch out for them, 
Love them through every mistake that they make. Because when they graduate from school, they're on their own. You've done everything you could do. And it kind of changed my philosophy and my mental outlook. I still, it still bothered me to stand still and watch some of the things they went through. But I look back now and I'm thankful my boys did dumb stuff while they were at home. So if there was any fixing, they were here with me. In this passage we're going to look at about seed, it makes a tremendous statement that sometimes goes unnoticed. And that statement is this. You and I can't save anyone. That's not our call. That's not our ability. And as we say sometimes, that's far, far, far above our pay grade. But sometimes we, we take on this. I've heard people say, if I don't witness to him, he'll die and go to hell and would never have a chance for salvation. And I'm thinking, wow, that's thinking quite a bit about yourself, isn't it? That's like God is sitting up there in heaven and, and somehow he forgot that there's only one person going to witness to them. And that's not what's going on. You see, it is the power of the word. There's the instance, and again, through all of these gospels, you read about a sower. One guy sowed seed. Uh, one time when we were in Jordan, uh, we happened to watch a man. And it's not like planting neat rows like this. In the fields there, even their soil, when it gets down to small stuff, is rocks. There's, there's some dirt, but a lot of just small rocks. And they take the big rocks and they make a wall uh, around their plot. And then the guy just walks through throwing seed everywhere. Some goes over the wall, some gets in the pathway, but he is throwing seeds. And one of them that's in Matthew is a guy went out and sowed seeds, went home, went to bed. While he's asleep, somebody sowed weeds. And uh, when he woke up, here comes the weeds, here comes the wheat. And he said, what am I going to do? And Jesus, the man who was uh, Jesus said this, just wait, wait till the harvest comes and they will be identified as what they are, wheat or, or weeds. And you just simply gather the weeds because if you start gathering the weeds when they're young, I don't know about you. How many of you like plant a garden? Is there anybody here? I'm a country boy. Uh, I, I always had a garden. I learned early in life, if you weed your small plants, you'll pull your small plants up. You'll disturb them. But that's what Jesus was saying. What he was saying is, I'm the judge of the harvest. So in chapter 4, we're going to take a little bit different look. You all know uh, the parable of the sower. And actually, it's the parable of the souls, not the sower. Because it talks about the soul that this seed falls in. And the one that I used as a teaching instrument for my children was the one that said some fell on the road and the birds instantly took the seed away. Now, my boys knew something about grace. They knew that during my message, 
They could whisper. They get up, go out and go to the bathroom. They had a lim- they had limited things, but I wasn't going to nail them. But when the invitation came, they needed to turn into mummies. Because if they caused any problem, I left Grace at home and me in the belt. And if you're listening, that disturbs you. That's your problem. Me and the belt met with my boys and I taught them the gospel of the invitation. It's vital. Do you realize that Satan is at work even here today? Sometimes we don't really look at this as a real evangelistic service where the gospel is preached. I think sometimes we look at it as something we do in order to get a meal and meet with our friends and have a good time and because we like the music. That's not what Tuesday's all about. And if that's what Tuesday becomes, you can find somebody else to lead it. This is an opportunity for the gospel of Christ to go into the hearts of people who are lost, going to the hearts of the people who are in relationship with Lord and as a result in the good ground prepared by God, then we are going to grow. People are going to come to Christ. People who are listening online can know that there is a body of Christ right here. That's what it is. So it's an important time. And the heart and the condition of the heart depends On the work of the Spirit of God. Jesus himself said, no one comes to me unless the Father calls them. And when the Spirit of God begins to work in someone's life, that that person begins to have their eyes open. And sometimes it takes a lot for those eyes to become open. One of the things people do when they run into a lot of problems, the doctor gives them a bad report, they call out to the God. And they say, I'll do this and I'll change. If you save my life, I'll start doing all of these things. And pretty soon it just goes away. Some of it is on good ground. People who realize grace for me is a miracle for God. Have you ever thought about that? All the time I think about not just the blessings God has given me, but the fact that he called me and said, Jesus died for me. That was the most wonderful news I've ever heard. That in a nutshell is your parable of the sower. The lamp under the basket makes a wonderful statement. It says, pay attention to what you hear, because with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you and still more added to you. Sometimes that's preached and looked at as the more you do stuff for God, the more blessings he will give you. The more you give money to God, the more money you get. The prosperity gospel uses this. But understanding that the Word of God is the the key element in chapter 4 of the book of Mark, he's talking about the Word. Because he said, what what was it that I read? Measure what you use and use it. He's talking about 
sharing the Word of God. And I want to answer an uh, excuse I've heard for nearly 50 years. Pastor, I'm not an evangelist. Pastor, I'm not a preacher. Pastor, I don't have the gift of evangelism. And I, I wouldn't call myself sarcastic, but I kind of do like this. And have this little look on my face. And it's like, what has that got to do with it? If you are here today in a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you can't share that with someone else, I think you better take a look at your relationship to Jesus Christ. Because he's the way, the truth, and the life for you and for anyone else that comes to him. Again, the word. Now, this also ends in the, or goes down, he talks about a mustard seed just a little bit. Just just a speck of a seed will grow into a huge tree. They say in that region, probably 15 to 17 feet. Talks about the birds coming and nesting in it, which means a kingdom that is secure. Again, it's the word. And then it ends with a seemingly parable or a story that has nothing to do with the rest of what's been said. But when you look at it, Jesus calms the sea. I think Greg preached that. But I want to read you some words. When they woke Jesus up, and I like to point this out. Greg probably did too. Everybody in the boat was experienced fishermen. Okay? Jesus has a carpenter's background. He's the only one asleep in the storm. The fishermen are absolutely horrified. But he wakes up and he says, peace be still. And the wind stopped and the seas went flat. That is the word of God and the mystery. Because they said, what kind of person can speak to the wind and the waves and they obey him? This is what we need to understand. We are armed with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the most powerful words that you can say. One of the greatest evangelist church planners acknowledged this when he said to a, a, a church, I don't come to you with fancy words. I don't come here with great illustrations and story. I come with the word of God. And if there's anything our nation today needs, it's the word of God. It doesn't need our opinion. It doesn't matter what our church thinks because outside the world, when somebody else thinks differently, they only care about what they think and they don't care what we think. But there is a mystery, an unveiled mystery of how the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross taking the sins of the entire world. Every sin that would ever be committed was placed on him. And it was so ugly that the light went out on earth and God turned his back because of the filth. But Jesus bore it. They stuck him in a grave, sealed with a huge boulder, set a guard 
to make sure that a dead man didn't come out. Have you ever thought of the foolishness of those people? But did it matter? No. That third day when that cross went like that, those guys scattered. And Jesus is alive. That's powerful. Let's go to my text. 26th verse of Mark, chapter 4. A couple of verses, 3. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Remember, he's throwing it everywhere he's got, okay? Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how, okay? All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. We are seed scatterers. And the seed that we scatter is the precious word of God. And I want to take a lot of heat off of you. Because in this story, we're challenged. We are to constantly share what God has done for us. And and folks, let me say, that goes beyond the blessings of money, of health, uh, of a new car, uh, a, a new house. And so many times when we talk about the blessings of God, we, we think about material things that everybody wants on this earth. And it's almost like an advertisement. Come to Jesus and get a new house. Come to Jesus, get a better car. That's not the issue. Come to Jesus and your life will change. And your life will change because the one you have is headed for the eternal destruction. This is God writing what happened in the garden with Adam. We don't become Christians to hide and not share the reason for our faith. So when you share that faith, understand something. That person you share it with, you're not responsible for convincing them. I heard a man say one time when he was talking about a particular uh, method that they used to share the gospel. And, and I asked him a question. I said, what do you do when you go through this whole gospel and, and they don't want to pray the prayer? And the guy said, well, I just go and say it again and again until they do. Friends, the church is full of people who signed the card, said the prayer to get someone to shut up. That's why this world is not impacted by a weakened church. Because it is a mixed multitude of people. When you read the Old Testament, many times that phrase will come up, mixed multitude. Have you ever wondered, have you ever read it? <laughs> have you ever wondered what it meant? It was simply Jews and Gentiles, a mixed multitude of people. The power of the church is in the power of the word that is produced on a stage or a platform like this. 
and how it is spread by the people you guys, when you go out and touch people's lives and go places that we probably won't go. The constant. But you're responsible for the word. You can't save anybody. It's not our responsibility. I'm reminded of a story of D.L. Moody. He said he was walking the streets of Chicago, and this man, who was obviously drunk, staggered up to him, put his arm around him, breathed with breath reeked of alcohol, and said, Dr. Moody, I know you don't remember me, but you saved me two weeks ago in a revival meeting. Dale Moody looked at him and said, you look like somebody I've saved. You understand what he was saying? We're not saving anybody, but we got precious seeds. I know countries that when they look at their seed packet, one of two things they can do. They can cook a meal for their family and perhaps that would be their last meal. Or in faith, they can plant that and pray for a crop of more seed. You see, that's the Word of God. That's the Word of God. When we have received that, we share it. But there's a, a work. There's a work of the Holy Spirit involved in this. And Isaiah 55 uh shares what that word is. I, I love this illustration. Let's read it, beginning verse 8. First of all, everything I've said a while ago, God says here in two verses, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. The sooner we get that basic information in our head, the better life that we're going to have. I talked to somebody this weekend said, I just don't understand that, and I've just quit going to church. And I said, why would you quit going to church? You may learn the answer there in church. I'm just tired of not knowing. Well, this little, these verses I'm going to give you is going to be the emphasis for you to be in the Word and know the Word. And just simply know right off the way we think is not the way God thinks. All right, next verse. As the heavens are higher than the earth... So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now here's where he talks. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the seer, sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth It will not return to me empty. This is a basis promise of God that should challenge, encourage us, and it be like saying, stick them to a hog dog to know that it's not about me and my presentation. It's not about me and how great a life What it is, it's the word from God's mouth, which is this word in written form. It will not return to God empty. It will accomplish what it is sent to accomplish. The power of the word of God. 
the sower sowed a field, went to sleep. When he woke up day by day, it began to push itself out of the soil. He didn't know what was happening, but when the harvest came, he knew he was there to harvest. The Word of God is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It gets to where we live. And when it reveals the filth and the hurt and the sickness of our life, that same sword heals that life through the blessed Word of God. Have you ever looked at the, the roadsides? Sometimes in, when it's, you know, it's real dry, like we'll get, go for a while with no rain. And I'm out there watering my yard and I, I got a $200 water bill. So my yard will just not die. And then I ride down after a rain and everything, every weed, every blade of grass on the side of the road is green. It's greener than my yard. I put expensive fertilizer on there. I water it. But something happens when rain comes from heaven. And I challenge you, open your eyes to what God is teaching us through the things he does. There is a vast difference in a rainstorm on your yard than water that you pay for from the city. Because the rain that comes down from heaven accomplishes what God sent it to accomplish. And it doesn't return without it. So is my word. I'm going to tell you, that little statement is the hope. The hope of mankind. That word is my word. That that verse that I was talking about a while ago, uh, about in the... Uh, in, the 21st verse, when it's talking about pay attention to what you hear. And with the measure, you use it. Do you want to understand more and more of the word of God? Then use what you hear. And as you use it, and as you read, mysteries are unfolded. God is just not going, to, if God were to bring you to Christ as a babe in Christ and just open up the, the heaven's doors and tell you and show you everything in the word of God, you know what would happen? That'd be a funeral service and people would be saying nice things about you. It would kill you. We are not able to take on the wonders of heaven that are one day going to be revealed to us. But as just like we peel an onion, as we read scripture, as we use and share what we have, God will peel another layer off and there it is. And we know. And what is that good for? It is good for defending or sharing your faith with the world. That's how God equips us. The more we use it, I want to promise you, you can never wear it out. It will never lose its power. And you'll find that you will be equipped for life. And you know, friends, that's the one thing that I hear so many times from people. They're saying, Pastor, I'm just having a hard time getting along in life. I'm struggling. I live in fear. I, I, I'm, I'm, I, don't, 
I don't sometimes feel or sense the presence of God. I want to tell you, if you stay away from the word and if you stay away from prayer, you won't sense the presence of God because you're distancing. Well, is there a time limit for us? Well, I think I said two weeks ago, as long as the spirit of God speaks to you, he's waiting. In verses 6 and 7 of Isaiah 55, y'all don't have it back there. I got it. The greatest invitation in the world. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. So what is the conditions? Let the wicked forsake his ways, the unrighteous his thoughts, and return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly promise. The promise that God is in the business of changing lives. The promise that God is there, whether we understand him or not. I don't really know anyone that ever came to Christ. This is a broad statement. I just said I don't know that could really understand and explain what happened. I can't. I came to Christ on front of my couch on my knees at 1.30 in the morning. Three times I got on my knees. You know why? First time, I heard people when they got saved run out and told everybody. Well, it was 1.30 in the morning. I didn't even want to wake up my wife. I got down again and I, I prayed and prayed. And then when I got up, I got scared. Because I, I sensed there was a newness in my life, but the newness meant I was going to have to give up stuff that I'd never been able to give up, never even wanted to give up. And so I got on my knees and said, God, do you realize something? Do you realize I'm going to be a changed creation? And there's nobody going to believe me. I prayed and just said, God, if all of this is true, I'm going to get up. And I'm going to believe that you've saved my rotten soul. It's up to you to bring change to my life. It was up to me to obey God. And the more you're in the word, the more obedience is going to come from you. The more you're in the word, the less fear of loss you're going to have. People don't serve because they're afraid that they'll lose that time. People don't give because they're afraid that they'll need that money somewhere. We have this sense that if we give back to God for what it is, what is his, and that begins with your life. The Bible says you're not your own. You bought with a price. The price was the precious blood of Jesus. When we give back in obedience and the more we're in the word, the more we trust God. And we realize that God wants it, he can have it. And what God wants from us and what someone very near and dear to us may need is just simply the honest scattering of the seed, the reason for the hope that's in you. Today, if you don't have that assurance of hope, the old statement, if you were to die today, do you know for sure 
you'd go to heaven. You can. Christian friend, what is the measure of your life before God? Have you ever thought about that? I began to think about it when I read the scripture that said one day, I'm going to have to give an account of myself. And it's like, oh, I don't think I want to bring that up or have God bring that up. I needed house cleaning. I needed more obedience in my life. Whatever you need today, it doesn't matter. If you realize it, God said it's his. Here it is. I will work in you. Uh, my word will work in you with ways that will amaze you. But it will also change you. Fathers, we come to you this morning. We thank you for the power, the majesty, the wonder of the word. Father, it's not about us. It's about you. The finished work of Christ on the cross and your desire that no one would perish and that the kingdom of God that is being gathered on this earth would be an army, an army, Father God, that marches, an army that sows seed, an army that gathers the future kingdom that will spend an eternity in heaven with Christ. Father, just like the rain and the snow, let your word have its full weight today. In Jesus' name, amen.